Hilary Walker and it's, it's so nice to be with you again. Today I want to talk about the MIP. You might think, what on earth is the MIP? Now most of us have heard of VIP, very important persons. When they go to an airport, everyone runs around and, and they have top priority and everybody is um, making way for them. Well, the MIP is the most important person in the world, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to share with you today about the wonderful, precious Holy Spirit of God. Because I used to think that um, the Holy Spirit, this is before I'd received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, was like an, an appendage to something that some uh, religious ritual that they had in church. And they would say, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it just, it didn't mean anything to me. Um, but then I, I was born again, and I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I began to get to know the Holy Spirit. But sadly, I began to take him for granted. You know how when two people love each other, you're just so aware of each other, but then after you've been married for a while, you tend to take each other for granted. And I hope I'm speaking to people who maybe have, have felt that way, because today I want us together um, to remind ourselves of the wonderful Holy Spirit of God. And he has a tremendous work that he does within us. You know, in the eternities of time past, a vast complex plan for mankind unfolded on the inside of God. And in his infinite wisdom, he left nothing out. He planned everything in fine detail throughout the ages. From generation to generation, he planned every intricate detail of every life that would ever live on the face of this planet. And in the midst of this, he saw you. And God has made a perfect plan just for you. You know, in um, nursing homes, they have something called a personal care program. Well, in fact, God has a personal plan for your life, which only you can fulfill. And it's not like any other plan for any other person who has ever lived or ever will live. And you see, God's desire was to rescue mankind from the rebellious camp of Satan. It's God's desire to draw to himself his family, whom he can love and shower his blessings upon. And as I said, somewhere in the midst of all this planning, God saw you. God saw that moment in time when you would live on this earth. Isn't that simply amazing that he has this intricate plan just for you and he decided exactly how your life should and could be filled and God is not willing that any should perish but um, Jesus tells us quite clearly in Matthew 7 verse 13 and 14 that to enter by the narrow gate because wide is the gate and broad the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the way, confined is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, God has a perfect plan for your life, for every person. But not everyone fulfills the divine plan of God for their lives. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ 
as your Lord and Savior, and you accept the work that Jesus did on the cross, then really there is nothing that can stop you or stand in the way of you discovering and walking in God's perfect plan for your life. And this is where the Holy Spirit can begin his mighty ministry in you. Isn't it amazing? God the Holy Spirit lives inside us. But then if we don't know someone very well, we don't recognize their voice very quickly. And so how can we yield and obey um, to someone who we do not know or recognize? Therefore today, I want us to get to know the Holy Spirit together. God the Holy Spirit. Let's remind ourselves of who he is. You see, he is a person. I want us to turn to John chapter 14, and I want to read verses 16 through 18. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. In the Amplified, it says, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, and Standby, so that he may remain with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him or recognize him. But you know and you recognize him because he lives with you constantly and will be in you. That is what Jesus told his disciples. And so who is the Holy Spirit? He is a person. He is not an it. He's not a vapor. He is very much a person. And he has the attributes of a person. For instance, he has a mind. Romans 8.27 says that God knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is. Now he has knowledge. He actually has all knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2.10 and 11. But God has revealed to us through his Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. He has the knowledge of the deep things of God. Now, the Holy Spirit has a will, um, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Here, Paul is speaking about the, the gifts in the church. And he says here in verse 11, the Holy Spirit works all these things as he wills. So the Holy Spirit has a will. Now, the Holy Spirit forms relationships because he speaks. It's difficult to form a relationship if nobody says anything. The Holy Spirit speaks. Acts 1.16. Men and brothers, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke. We turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. I would love you to look up these things. They will be on the screen underneath. Um, and I wanted to give you an illustration because the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It actually saved my life. Um, my father had just died. My mummy was in hospital. I had her sleeping pills in my house. And I was so grieved at my father's passing. And I was yielding to that grief. And I distinctly remember I was in the kitchen and there was a little step up into my lounge. And I had decided that I would go take all my mother's sleeping pills. 
and I stepped up into the dining room as I passed from one room to another, right inside my heart with a voice of, of love but firmness and authority. The Spirit of God said to me, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And do you know, I just stood stock still. And all the desire to kill myself left, just like that. And that has stayed with me all these years, 20 odd years later. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. He saved my life. But he spoke. He spoke in my heart. And so, also the Holy Spirit, he prays. I think it's absolutely wonderful that the Holy Spirit of God prays for us. In Romans 8, verse 26 and 27, it tells us the Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He's our teacher. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying he will teach you all things and he will bring back to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit works miracles. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Um, chapter 8 verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit caught Philip away. He caught Philip away and popped him down somewhere else. That is a miracle. Um, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. Acts chapter 7 verse 51, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, um, as he was speaking to his accusers, he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit, just like your fathers did. And also, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Word of God tells us, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And I have an illustration in my own life of how the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Um, and this is when um, Derek and I were friends and I was absolutely potty over him and he didn't really almost know who I was. Um, and I remember I'd really got the, the spirit of offense and I was, I was very upset with him and I was in my kitchen and I was criticizing him in my mind and oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And then as I was going in this tirade in my mind, the spirit of God said, stop it, stop it. You're breaking my heart. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He is a person. He also commands. He commanded me to stop it. But also in Acts 8.29, it says, As they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He also forbids. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, um, the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach the word in Asia. It says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. God has his own timing, and we need to be in the timing of God. Sometimes we could go do something um, that we know is God's will, but out of his timing, and then we spoil it. So we need to listen very carefully to the Holy Spirit. And verse 7, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. Now, where is the Holy Spirit? Right now, this very minute, where is the Holy Spirit? 
Well, the Bible tells us very clearly where he is. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Um, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, um, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this Holy Spirit, which you now see and hear. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 39. It says that the people were cut to the heart, and they said, What shall we do? Peter said, Repent, and let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then came this other wonderful part of his speech. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the Holy Spirit for the people who were just there? Let's read on. For the promise is to you and your children and those and all who are afar off. In time we were afar off. The promise is to us. As many as the Lord our God will call. Now the Holy Spirit has a work on this earth. And he is to administrate the church. What does that mean? It tells us in Acts 20 verse 28 that the Holy Spirit sets ministers over the churches. He is the one who gifts, who calls and gifts people. And he distributes varying gifts and ministries to different individuals as he wills. Um, in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 11, the Holy Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And he's the helper, as we read in our text. Jesus said, I will send you another helper. And he glorifies Jesus. Do you know the Holy Spirit works at being inconspicuous? The Holy Spirit deliberately submerges himself in Christ Jesus. He acts, as it were, as a spotlight. You know, when a spotlight is shining, one doesn't necessarily look and say, Oh, what a wonderful light. You actually look at the individual who is being spotlighted. The Holy Spirit shines the spotlight on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you an illustration. This is a true story. Um, there's a head of a children's church, and she had worked diligently for 25 years. And she retired, and after 25 years, they wanted to give a wonderful banquet in her honor. Many speeches were made praising this dear lady, and she graciously sat through them. And then it was her turn to speak. She rose, and she said, All these years the children have been teaching me about Jesus. He is so real to them, and they have made him more real to me than I ever would have thought of 25 years ago. Then her eyes were twinkling, and she said, for instance, I remember the little boy who burst out with, oh, if Jesus came through that door, I'd run right up to him and hug him. She said, I owe a great deal to the children. And then she sat down. You know, the audience were now no longer thinking of this lady. They were only thinking of Jesus. This is typical of the Holy Spirit, the helper. He's always pointing to Jesus, allowing Jesus to shine through. And the Holy Spirit reveals aspects of Jesus rather than himself. He glorifies Jesus. He brings Jesus to our remembrance. John 16, 14 says, He will honor and glorify me, 
because he will take of, he will receive what is mine and he will reveal it, he will transmit it to you. He takes from Jesus and he transfers it to you. Now you might say, why do I need the helper? Well, Jesus said, um, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now I know it's taken a long time for me to realize I can do absolutely nothing without the Lord. But believe me, Jesus speaks the truth. He always speaks the truth. He is the truth. And Jesus said, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And he told his disciples at that point in time, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now we don't need to tarry as they did because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. You see, Jesus operated as a man anointed of God on this earth. He said, ah, oh, fancy saying that. Well, Acts 10 verse 38 tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Jesus laid aside his divine privileges. He never laid aside his divinity. He was always totally God, and he was also totally man. But it tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, who Jesus, being essentially one with God, um, did not think this equality with God a thing to be eagerly grasped or held on to. But Jesus stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, so that he became like men and was born a human being. Now that word that they use, stripped, Jesus laid aside, the Greek word means to empty to divest totally. Um, this word is used of the incarnation of Jesus, which describes his self-emptying, as I said, not of his divine nature. And Jesus didn't perform any miracles until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus, the divine Son of God, needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we Another illustration, there's a gentleman called Dwight Moody who lived in the 1800s. He was great success as an evangelist and um, in Chicago in 1871, he had the largest congregation um, that, that, that there was. But according to his account, he said he was a great hustler. And um, he said of himself, largely the work was done by the energy of his flesh. Now one day, two very humble ladies attended his meetings. They sat in the front and he could see that they were praying the whole time. And eventually this really got to him. And he, uh, he spoke to them after one of the meetings. And he said, um, you know, kind of, were you praying? They said, yes, we were praying. We are praying for you. Now he's very taken aback about this because he thought, why not for the unsaved? And so they said, we are praying for you because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And off they trotted. So and this, this kept going through his mind, and some weeks later, Moody invited these two ladies to come to his office. And, you know, he said, I thought I possessed the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you please explain to me what you mean? And so their lovely names, Mrs. Snow and Auntie Cook, and they told um, the Reverend Moody what they knew about the baptism and the Holy Spirit. They all prayed, and then they left. And Moody explains from that hour 
there came a great hunger in my soul. I really felt that I did not want to live if I could not have this power for service. And then one autumn day in 1871, Moody was walking down Wall Street in New York, and suddenly God answered his prayer, bang, slam, right in the middle of the street. There were lots of people. And he realized he had to get off the street. He saw a house that he knew, and he said, please, may I be alone in one of your rooms? And he said when he entered that room, he said the joy of God that came upon him was indescribable. It was so powerful that in the end he had to cry out to God to stop it, lest he die from joy. And Moody said from that moment on, although his sermons didn't change, he, he, he didn't change a thing as far as he knew, he said that thousands of people were converted. There was a difference, a tremendous difference because he had received the power of the Holy Spirit. He lived another 28 years and, um, to quote uh, Moody's um, biography, reduced the population of hell by millions of souls. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Um, now, an orphan is somebody who's probably known the love of a mother and a father and security and, and, and just the protection. Now, Jesus' apostles... They were afraid of being in this position. For three years, Jesus had been their master. He'd been with them. He'd lived with them. And he'd been everything to them. Beloved companion, staunch friend, never failing guide, always strong, had the answers to any problem they had, mighty helper, a, a very exciting um, teacher. And if they wanted to know how to pray, who did they ask? Jesus. When Peter would try to walk on water and he began to sink, who did he cry out to? Jesus. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and rescued him. But lately, they, they, were, they were troubled because he'd been talking to them about his own death. Can you imagine what that meant to them? Their hearts must have sunk. He said, the time is at hand. And with sorrow and dismay, his uh, um, disciples heard him say, I go away. And their faces were perplexed. And Jesus reassured them. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will manifest myself to you. In other words, Jesus was saying in modern parlance, having broken into the time-space capsule of planet Earth, and I've lived amongst you for um, some time, do not for one moment think that I'm going to leave and abandon you. If I did that, you'd only have memories, and there would only be a historical account for those who came after you. They would have no contemporary expression of God or myself. No, no. He says, I will not, I will not leave you like that. I will come to you in the form of one who loves you as much as I do, who is able to care for you even as I do. His promise is to you and to me, the helper will be with us always, day and night, with us always. We need never ever feel lonely or be afraid again because the Holy Spirit, the helper, is always with us, totally more than adequate. And Jesus said, um, it's to your advantage that I go away. I leave you with a question. Could anything be better than Jesus' physical presence?